is Clayton Howe's Entertainment X. For part two with Andy Einhorn, we continue the conversation on achievement versus fulfillment. We also talk about how the correct opportunity will come to you and the other wonderful soundbite of will it matter a year from now? We also talk about his exercise regiment, how to have comfort in vulnerability and discomfort and being true to yourself. So I hope you enjoy this part two with Andy Einhorn. Particularly with theater, you it gets taken advantage of. Not by just other people, but by yourself. You take advantage of yourself. Oh, well, you know, I work until 11 o'clock, so I'm not doing a show tonight. Let me work until 11 o'clock. It's just... It just happens and having realizing that it's in process because there's it's so not like other jobs where you're like you can go home and be like, I sold 100 units today. I did my job. And it's like I ran the shop. People came in. They didn't come in. I did my job with theater. There's no real delineation of that besides, oh, we opened and then all of a sudden it closes and you have to repeat the process again. <laughs> so it's got a, it's a real self check to have that fulfillment. So you're not constantly, you know, and I wonder, it leads me into a question I was going to bring up later, your balance, if you f see it this way, of achievement versus fulfillment. How do you view the two? That's something that I think is a continual struggle because we are living in a day and age where um, the noise or the sort of circus, as I call it, around us is can be really loud uh it, you know you go on social media or any website and you're inundated with what everybody else is doing and it can be rather debilitating and tough because you, the proverbial you, the royal you, you may be working, but suddenly you're seeing an announcement of something and you think, why was I not called for that? Or that's something I should be doing. How did I not hear about this? Or why wasn't I thought of for this? And, you know, years ago, I had a voice teacher who once said the correct opportunities will come to you. You will find them. And, and I try to remember that in those moments because it isn't always easy when you hear about somebody getting a job and you think, oh, that should have been me. You know, why did I not get that call? Well, maybe whoever is sitting upstairs is looking out for you. <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah. look, I, I often think back to the times in my life where I said yes to things because I thought it was the right thing. Thing to do. And that can be really tough. Like when I meet with, um, you know, young artists who are coming out of school who, you know, say, oh, I want to do what you did. The number one thing I always say to them is don't say yes to everything. <laughs> you don't have to say yes to everything. And the hardest word in the American lexicon is no a really tough word and uh look even a few months ago I was on something and I was dealing with a really tough negotiation and I just wrote to my agent and I said the answer is no hmm. it's either 
they accept this or the answer is no, you know, because I had reached my end. And I think Andy of six, seven years ago would have said, okay, I'll, I'll make it work. I'll make it work. But this time I was like, no, <laughs> I'm not putting myself out on the line that way because at the end of the day, what did they say? When you die, your inbox is not empty. <laughs> you know, but at the end of the day, when you die, you're not just your resume. You don't you don't want to just die knowing that you've been a list of credits or that you, you know. I think sometimes the greatest evaluation that my parents definitely always taught me this, which is. Will it matter a year from now? Will it matter five years from now? Will it matter 10 years from now? And, and, you know, look, 99% of the time, the things that we worry about or difficult conversations that we have to have with people, doesn't matter, never comes to fruition. You, you know, like I remember, I remember being in college and um, I sort of had a, I, I think so many people end up reflecting on like our formative years of education ended up for many of us being utter torture. Well, yes. middle school was just awful. <laughs> Name me one person who liked middle school. Go. Uh, right. You know, high school was had its ups and downs. And then by the end, you were like, oh, just get me to college. And you think, OK, well, college is going to be the answer to it all because I'm finally out of the house. I can live my life freely, I can do whatever I want with not a care in the world. But then at some point you start to think, oh my gosh, I'm gonna be out of here in, you know, by the end of this. And then I have to start taking care of myself. And then you get out into the real world and suddenly there's that euphoria that comes in the beginning of that, where it's like, wow, I really can do whatever I want now. And nobody's telling me anymore yeah. until the reality of systems and checks and balances come in. And then, you know, you're, you find yourself paying a mortgage, you find yourself paying rent, you find yourself living in New York city and, and dealing with all of these things. So there's somehow always is a system of checks and balances. But yeah. I, you know, I just remember in college that there were moments where I was so concerned with, certain things that had happened um, or conversations that I would need to have with administration or with my professors. And I would stay up all night worried about this, that, or the other. And now when I look back on it, I was like, no, that was just part of charting my own journey and sort of carving out my own story along the way. And it's interesting that we view those moments where we should be feeling free or venerated from any sort of um, confines of what it is that we have to do. Um, but instead, the the way that system is often set up is it's a checks and balances. There's red tape. You have to do X, Y, and Z in order to get that piece of paper. Um, but I wish that I could have gone back to my young self at that moment and said, this isn't going to be a problem. You're expressing your need and you're expressing what it is that you need to be able to succeed. And you're still falling within the the criteria of how you're going to get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> you know. But for some reason, and, and I think that's an interesting thing that's happening in this movement of, of expression. Um, that one of the greatest things about it is being able to express 
needs. But but there still is a foundation. There still is a a, a boundary. I think that that is important in this discussion that we that it, that we're not burning down the house. Mm-hmm. We're just slightly rearranging the furniture, and maybe we do need to move a wall occasionally and tear down that third bedroom and build a playroom instead. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's. Okay, this I I don't I don't have any expectations when I have these conversations. I love where this conversation has gone, and I it, it always ha- gets me really thinking. You know, the existential conversations, all those fretting and everything that it it culminated in a degree, a piece of paper that really isn't worth anything anymore because now you have all these credits, so people are basing you on the previous credits, and then by the time you're gone, someone after you is just going to throw out the piece of paper. It's just so. It doesn't matter. It, it It's like, what does matter and what is important to you in a day and a week and a lifetime? I thank you for going so deep on this conversation. Oh, of course. I, I mean, well, my joke about it is, though, like, you're as good as your last gig. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, I always joke anytime um, I go on stage for a concert, um, it, you know, it's sort of like, oh, God, tonight could be the night it all spills out, <laughs> you know, and they find you out at this moment. That catch you. Now, do you have any um, daily rituals, any texts you refer to daily or anything you start your morning with? My daily ritual is that I wake up and I go to the gym six days a week. Okay. That I do religiously. For how long are you in the gym usually? Uh, at least 30 to 45 minutes a day. Yeah. And I do it six days a week. And I started doing it religiously during the pandemic, actually. Because, and I'll tell you why, it was the one way to find myself centered. When all of structure went out the door, I turned to my other half and I said, we're going to start working out six days a week. And I'm still doing it as religiously as I was March 13th, 2020, because it was the one way that I was like, okay, here, we've lost structure. I mean, we already live a life as an artist where there is no structure. It is what you make of it. You know, when you when you select freelance life in the box, that comes with the with the idea that there's no structure included. You know, it's like you get the toys. It says no structure included here. Um, And but to me, that was that became the new foundation. And it's become a sort of as crazy as it sounds, it's become a meditation for me. It's become a practice where I can focus on my breathing. The phone is off. It's a way to focus on just 30 to 45 minutes of quiet six days a week. The seventh day I really look forward to when I don't have to. Um, but But it's part of, and I travel so much again now, but what you know, I have videos that I can do in a hotel room. Mm. Uh, I'm here in Pasadena. I bought myself some weights. I do it in this place I'm staying in. And look, it's not easy to get up and do it every day, but it's so important to me. And it's become a way to just center myself at the beginning of every day. Mm. Relationships in this industry. Uh, we were talking about, you know, how you you have personal relationships with individual artists. And I know you were traveling overseas um, with Audra McDonald. I'm curious. We could talk about that one. Oh, per- okay. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, uh, Audra, I don't know if you heard. She, I'm curious how that relationship began and, oh. and how uh, they, you know, what your views are in general with all of these rela- individual relationships that you have in the industry. Oh, 
Great question. Um, I'm really fortunate that uh, I'll take one step back, which is that I really, you know, when I moved into becoming a piano major, I never wanted to sit there and be a solo artist. I didn't enjoy sitting in a practice room uh, six, eight hours a day. That wasn't why I wanted to do this. I wanted to do this because I wanted to collaborate with people. And what I looked forward to working with singers or artists was the symbiosis that comes from developing a relationship with somebody. And for many, many years, I always dreamed of finding an artist to do that with. Little did I know that it would be the person that I sort of first saw in concert when I was in college. And I said, gosh, wouldn't it be nice to have somebody like this? not ending up realizing that it would be this. <laughs> and um, I met Audra in 2006, doing a project in Houston, ironically, at the Houston Grand Opera, that sort of came out of um, a professor from Rice, where I'd gone to school. And uh, it was just a bizarre confluence of uh, meeting one another uh, and being the right person for the fit at that, that moment. But I'll never forget the first time she walked in the room and, you know, we met and she looked at me and she said, I don't want to hear what's good. I need you to tell me how to make it better. And I thought, oh, that's somebody that I want to work with because she wasn't looking for the platitudes. She wasn't looking for me to say at that point, I think she only had the three Tonys up at that point. So um, I, I I don't think she was, uh, uh, what I enjoyed was she was throwing herself into doing two operas, which was very much out of her comfort zone. And she wanted to feel that the people that were taking care of her in that moment were going to be there entirely for her support and be there for her to succeed in that moment. And that's what I understood my task to be. And it was then that I really understood that a lot of what I do is... Uh, is to be a very well-paid therapist. Uh, I'm kidding. Um, no, but to, to really be there to take care of the artist and support the artist and make sure the artist feels supported. And that comes in a variety of ways. Um, it, you know, I, I have been very fortunate to have worked with many, many stars. And I, I often feel like the thing that I can do best for them is make them feel supported and taken care of. But I do it by being honest and real and making sure they have a good time, but also explaining what, what the workflow is. You know, at this point with Audra, you know, we've been doing concerts together since around 2010, 2011. So, you know, we're going on 12, 13 years of working together in that capacity. And the thing that's hard is we're both artists that keep our certain projects separate from one another, but then we come together and do these concerts together. And if there's been, say, like a six-month period where we haven't done a concert together, it's sort of like you put on a pair of jeans that you haven't worn in six months and you go, oh, the body feels different. Let me feel how this works. But you have to treat it like a living, breathing 
relationship. And that's not to say that we're not in touch during that period, but we're both evolving and continuing to grow as artists. And the exciting thing is to then be able to come together with the knowledge of what those last six months were for each of us and bring that to the table. Um, and I think, look, I think relationships in this industry uh, are, are tricky because <laughs> in some way, shape or form, all of it, no matter what way we want to look at it, all of it is transactional in some sort. And I'm not meaning it in a pejorative way. I'm just saying that ultimately we are transient. What we do is we form families for an X amount of time and then the family breaks up and you find a new family because you're doing another project. Or at some point you have three or four families at one time. You know, one of the weirdest things about being a music supervisor as I do that more is that your relationship with the cast is very different than it is, say, being the music director or conductor where you're there every night. You know, it's it's so you have to then, as a music supervisor, figure out what that relationship means for you. How do you want to forge that communication with those that you're uh, communing with on a daily basis, as it were? And I think it's, I think it's, it's one to be kind to oneself about and to recognize that it's not necessarily easy. Every room is asking something different of you. Mm. Um, and every room is presenting its own challenges. And it, I think if if the more malleable we can continue to be, and that oftentimes gets harder as we get older because we become staunch in our ways or we become staunch in our beliefs. Um, but to still be open and and amenable to making to living with comfort and discomfort, there has to be room for discomfort, and I think that's one of the things that I still maintain. There has to be room to be vulnerable at all times, and you, you know, I I relish if I'm conducting an orchestra and I make a mistake. I nobody wants to admit they made a mistake, but we all make mistakes. Mm -hmm. We're human you know, and we're doing the best we can every given day. And, and it's hard. So I think part of it also is meeting and aligning with those that feel true to the same values that you have. And sometimes that can feel challenging. And sometimes that can feel limiting mm -hmm. uh, and minimizing. But I think that's ultimately you know, I was just talking with a friend out here in LA and she said, you know, I'm just finding as I'm getting older that my friend circle is getting smaller. Hmm. And I said, I understand that because ultimately what it is, is you're really finding the people that, you know, at two o'clock in the morning, God forbid, anything goes wrong. You can call those people. And those are the, what I call lifeboat friends where, you know, you throw out the, the SOS and they're going to be able to answer to you. And and that's hard in this world right now where there's so much noise and there's a lot of hype that you have to filter through. Yeah. Is there is there a common piece of incorrect advice you hear in life or in work? Ooh. <laughs> Uh, 
common piece of incorrect advice? Well, sure. Because it's something that I've already said, but I think it can be turned in a negative way. Hmm. That's where I would say it, it's incorrect advice, which is to speak up for yourself. Hmm. I think it's great advice, but I think it can be used in an incorrect way at times. I, I think it can be used ne negatively because I think it can be used to one's detriment or in a manner that is not professional. I, I think it is so essential that we are speaking up about conditions in the room. I think it's essential that we're having condition, uh, speaking up about a lot of issues in the rooms. But I think there is a very fine line of still understanding that collectively we're coming together to build something mm -hmm. and we are on a team together. That's the essence of this. We are a team. So we have to we, we have to come together. There can't be a hundred individuals. That doesn't make a team. Mm -hmm. So the dialogue is essential. But we all have to come to the table being open and willing to have a dialogue. The word no cannot be the start of a dialogue. Mm -hmm. So many great sound bites from this conversation. Oh. And that's a great point because I've seen people speak up for themselves when they would should be right and they did it the wrong way. And therefore, it's now their fault, even though they were right about the original thing. So it's yes. how, how you do it, I think, is so Correct. key. A hundred and 58%. <laughs> Metaphorically speaking, if you could put a word or a phrase on a billboard for millions of people to see, does anything come to mind? Yes. <laughs> Be true to yourself. It was, it was advice that somebody gave me years ago, and I had sort of forgotten it for a while uh, in the game that we play in the the game that is set forth for us to play and then there was a moment where i i lost myself in it and i woke up one day and i said that doesn't feel good anymore i don't like that feeling and that's not who i was raised to be and that's not a form that i want to continue being and once i was able to terribly wrestled that away it, and it took a long time to recover from that uh it it was easier to see the light through that yeah yeah that's a thing i constantly say to myself is remember who you are <laughs> and the greatest it's, part is we're all true. different people we're all different people and we're we're lucky that we get to meet many many people um but we're all different and we all approach it differently and no two people see anything the same way. And it's a sort of constant negotiation that, that requires evolution and evaluation at all times. And that's, that's just something that it is hard, you know, nobody prepares you for that. I, I think I, I get to teach a lot, uh, which is something that I really enjoy doing um in the sort of 
limited capacities that I get to do it, but I'm always grateful for him when I get to do it because I finally get to say some of the things that I wish had been told to me, but also to see life through the eyes of young people or students who are still learning. Yeah. I love that. I love that. I love this conversation. Well, thank oh, thank you. It's been lovely chatting with you. Thank you for taking the time before we wrap up. Is there anything yeah. else you want to add today? <laughs> no, I've said quite a bit. <laughs> <laughs> They're sick of listening at this point. People of the world, Andy Einhorn. You've been listening to Entertainment X, the podcast. You can follow Entertainment X on Instagram at underscore Entertainment X underscore. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join Clay next week for another curiosity conversation on Entertainment X. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening.